Welcome to the first episode of Green Path Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm Crystal Lugazima. We'll be joined by our co-hosts, Alexandra and Brad, a little later. The music that you just heard was created by Hero, who is one of our financial wellness experts at Green Path. Our very first guest is Katie, who is a Green Path employee. As you'll see, she has a lot in common with the people we serve every day at Green Path Financial Wellness. Back when this podcast was just an idea, I needed a guest to see if this idea had any legs. As you can imagine, it wasn't easy to find a willing interviewee when your podcast doesn't actually exist yet. Katie had casually mentioned to me that she had some money experiences to share. When I asked if she'd like to be our guinea pig, I wondered how she'd react. She was brand new to the company after all. Would she be willing to share her story openly? Let's find out. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. I, I want to get into your your story um, of how you incurred credit card debt and ultimately how you overcame it. But I want to go back in time a little bit to when the debt first started to accumulate. Can you tell me a little bit about your first experience with credit cards in college? Absolutely. Um, so in college, like many people, you know, you're kind of living on what money you have from parents or whatever part-time job you can get. I was a waitress. And as a waitress, uh, your income is not always consistent with tips and things like that. So also being in college, you wanted to look your best. So retail credit cards became my shiny new best friends. And uh, I discovered I could get things that I wanted when I wanted them and worry about paying it later when I had my tips. And that was not the best plan. (laughs) (laughs) Did 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 you feel at the time that it was not the best plan or is this more in retrospect? Retrospect. At the time, it was. It seemed. It seemed perfect. I was, you know, sign up for a card, and hey, it's only ten or fifteen dollars a month. You know, minimum payment. Sure, I can manage that. No problem. Meanwhile, I get to go buy, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars worth of new clothes. Woohoo! <laughs> it's you know, yeah, it's yeah. get what you want when you want it. But um, yeah, I, I didn't realize how much it would snowball out of control. So yeah, seems like a good trade-off at the time. And so, Uh um, yeah, so I understand that shortly after college, you ended up getting married. And I can imagine that that affected things as far as your overall finances and certainly your your Mm -hmm. debt. So could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, it... um my husband knew about my retail credit cards and he was okay with that. Um, his credit was still really well because he didn't make those kind of decisions while in college. Um, and I had, you know, just graduated, was trying to get settled in my new job and he was a freelance designer. So his income was not consistent. Um, because of that, we relied on getting a credit against his good credit score to kind of help us float by when the income wasn't consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so yet again, relying on credit cards to get by on a regular basis and figure out how to pay it later. Yeah, and it's sort of like a different manifestation, right? So originally in college, it was more just spending, overspending in essence. Right. And this time it right. was more like just interruptions uh, in, in income, fluctuations in income. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Trying to keep you know bills and stuff consistent with an inconsistent income. Um, credit card was how we used to bridge that gap. Yeah, and that's that's certainly a common theme <laughs> that we see with 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 people that we again in retrospect, about. not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how this story. I I almost wonder how this would have played out differently if we got a chance to interview, you know, twenty year old Katie and twenty two year old Katie and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
and so as we yeah, advance, a lot different. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, as we did in our in our pre-talk, um, so shortly after you got married, you got pregnant with your first child. And at mm -hmm. the same time, there were some major changes in both your husband's career and your living situation. So a lot of things changing at once. So take me back yes. to that time and, and how that affected money. Yep. So um, like you said, I got pregnant shortly after our, our marriage and it was kind of a, a shock to both of us um, and realized that a freelance, you know, design work and waitressing on the side wasn't going to, you know, support a new family. Um, so he looked at some options um, and decided to join the military. And I was very proud of that. I came from a military background. I was very supportive of that decision. So we went through all the processes, got his paperwork processed, probably while I was about seven or eight months pregnant. So a really, you know, a good few months process there. Again, living on credit cards that whole time leading up yeah. until there. Yeah. Um, and he had to go to the base for training for um, about six months. And my parents happened to live in the same city where the base was. So I was able to move back in with them. That seemed like a great, easy decision. Um, took away some bills, you know, rent, um, electricity, things like that off of my plate. However, I brought along with me all of my previous credit card debt and what little income we did have from him being in the military training at the time um, was basically going to paying the, the minimums on all those credit cards. Did, did you so still I have to, to worry about cards at the, at the time or? Um, not as much, but I did have my own personal bills. We had our own cell phone bill at the time. We had um, our own uh, previous, you know, medical bills that I was paying because we didn't have insurance yet. Um, even though he just joined the military, I had medical bills from being pregnant that we had to pay. Mm -hmm. So all of those were just basically going on the credit card. And then when he would get paid, that paid off the minimums on, you know, the various array of credit cards that we had. Yeah. So I'm almost like you're, you're sort of spinning your wheels basically for the mm -hmm. most part at, at that stage. Um, uh, exactly. Yeah. So you have your first child, a um, mm -hmm. couple more moves associated with his, his, um, his military <laughs> career. And so yep. you had shared with me that you ended up in Georgia. Um, your your mm -hmm. husband had very long hours going to school uh, at, at the time, and you had a four-month-old. And yes. so you had shared that that was a very isolating experience. So can you kind of share how that kind of manifested itself in terms of your relationship with money at the time? Yeah, not my proudest uh, moment in my life. Um, Looking back on it again, you know, with 50, you know, with hindsight, perfect vision, um, definitely not what I should have done. But when I was alone, I have a baby, I have no family, I have no friends there with me. He was gone in training, like I said, um, most of the time, and also had late night training sessions. Um, very lonely, very depressed. And for whatever reason, my depression manifested as a shopping addiction. Mm -hmm. um, designer handbags and shoes were my were my choice <laughs> at the time. Um, you know, having just had a baby, clothing didn't fit the same way I expected, but shoes and handbags always fit. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, you know, became addicted to eBay, quite honestly, because I thought I was getting such a better deal um, for my handbags. And I would, you know, scrounge all the um, outlet malls and things like that. And I got to the point where on the credit card, if I had you know, $75 available credit on the credit card. Cause of course we kept maxing them out. Right. That meant to me, I can go spend $75 on a new pair of shoes or a handbag. And what did I do with all these? They sat in the closet in their pretty little duster bags and I'd look at them and I'd touch them and I'd be proud that I owned them, but I didn't go anywhere because again, I was home alone with the four month old. 
so it was just a really um it was the only way i could that fed my depression at the time sure which and unfortunately just racked up the credit card debt <laughs> and it, because again yeah. when you're making the minimum payments you still get those high interest fees coming on top of it so it's all snowballing behind the scenes but if I made a hundred dollar minimum payment, I would almost the same day go around and spend that hundred dollars back. Mm -hmm. And then the interest fees just clocked onto the balance. Sort of like a shell game care. almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. I got really good at knowing the dates that they would credit and when the money would be applied. Um, and so I could know when I was allowed to go shopping and that became my excitement for the day. I, really I'm going to guess at the time <laughs> based on, um, you know, I was a counselor uh, in, in my first nine years of Green Path, and I'm going to guess, did mm -hmm. you have a spreadsheet with all these dates and all this, <laughs> did. or did you memorize them? Yeah. How did I know? I, I did. Know. I had an Excel spreadsheet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen that. Yep. And by the way, with the shopping addiction, I don't know if you knew this, but um, so I, I've spoke to shopping addiction experts and one of the nationally renowned ones, um, Dr. April Benson, her, mm -hmm. She has a stat that says 15 million Americans suffer from a shopping addiction. So, Wow. So I wasn't no, alone. No. No, you were not. Not by any stretch. Yeah. So, I even tried to justify it, and I would sell some of my bags on eBay mm -hmm. um, and keep the credit on my eBay account so then I could turn around and buy another one so my husband wouldn't know that I was buying more. Mm, so I kept it hidden. Churning it through there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Never touched my credit card, but I just kept it churning inside the, the eBay PayPal cycle. And, and there was an interesting um, aspect that, that you had mentioned to me earlier, and that was that the credit card debt, you know, obviously you've talked about your spending leading to it, but in reality, mm -hmm. other than, I'm sure he, your husband wasn't buying handbags per se, but <laughs> we're both spending on the debt, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yet mm -hmm. the debt ended up entirely in your name. How did that come to pass? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, like you said, we were, it wasn't just my, obviously my handbag debt was a big portion of it, but we bought groceries, we bought gas, you know, we bought, you know, paid our electric bill, paid our cell phone bill, all those kinds of things off the credit cards. Um, they ended up, we had a discussion at one point in time because we knew that he was going to be going in and out of the country for jobs and deployments and things like that. So logistically speaking, if there was an issue with a bill or a credit company, it would be easier for me to be able to communicate with them effectively because I'm always in the States. Right. So by default, we just decided as a couple that everything would be in my name because of that logistics. And we just never wanted to get into one of those, you don't have permission to talk, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we just put everything in my name and it eliminated that potential in the future. We yeah. thought we were setting ourselves up for a great, you know, easy, easy way to handle all this. Yeah, perfectly logical in, mm -hmm. in the moment. Um, you, you can sense some foreshadowing time. for our <laughs> listeners, but we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> um, so you eventually, you guys ended up in Texas and then you were able mm -hmm. to return to work at that point. So that yeah. sounds like a positive. You're making more money, but as I understand it, there were some other things going on with your finances on the expense yep. side. Happened. Yep. So we moved to Texas, and like you said, I was able to get back to work, which does sound like more money in our pocket, except going back to work meant I had to find a babysitter or a daycare for my child. So I had to, that income that I had basically went to paying the babysitter. Um, meanwhile, my husband was deployed for about nine months, so he's not physically around. So again, that feeling of when I was in Georgia being left alone, a little bit lonely, you know, I have a kid at home and that's my life. Um, you know, the shopping addiction kind of came back into play a little bit. Yeah. Um, not as bad, not as bad because I was aware of it and because it had been such a fight and issues in our marriage before I was really trying. Um, but being left alone and I have a child in a state that I don't have any friends, I didn't have any family, I had just started working, you know, so I didn't have a work group to build with yet. Um, again, it was quite lonely. 
<clears throat> and shopping was my friend. Yeah. I could yeah. go shopping with my kid. We could walk around the mall all day. I remember building my schedule around, you know, which sales, which, you know, stores had sales on certain days and get there before noon because you get the, you know, fresh stock. And it, I literally planned out my day around the shopping. Yeah. Meanwhile, and childcare <laughs> expenses came into play too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile, my paycheck was literally paying the daycare and I was like, okay, that's a check in the box. That meant I could still have my same habits and patterns that I had before with using the credit cards to pay all the bills and then the paycheck would come in and I just pay all the minimums, you know, and, and just stayed in that same cycle. So then we had a very positive thing happen in your guy's life. Yes. Um, your grandma was, uh, you were fortunate enough that she was able to help you guys out and was it, she was paying, she was able to pay off a majority or a por so, portion of the debt and then you were going to pay her back? Correct. So the, the retail credit cards, because they had been with me the longest, were the heaviest um, anchor, if you will. And they had built up such finance charges and interest rates and interest fees and things on there that I just, I couldn't even, the minimum wasn't touching anything. It was pathetic at that point in time. And not to mention the minimum had gone from being its cute little 10 or $15 to now we're talking $250 because of all those interest fees and charges. And of course the retail companies don't tell you this. <clears throat> When you buy things on their cards and you're a good quote unquote customer, they give you more credit to spend. Mm -hmm. And if a shopaholic has that, what are they going to do? Spend it up to the very end. So that's what I had done. And because that was the biggest anchor, my grandmother had said, look, I will pay you. I will give you a loan. Mm -hmm. And she was very specific about a loan. We actually had it written up and had it notarized mm -hmm. um, to pay her back. You've watched um, enough Judge Judy episodes to know yeah. it's a loan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she knew, and she knew my habits. She knew my pattern. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was, I was her only granddaughter and she loved me to death, but she knew that I did not have financial, you know, exercise ability to, to not spend. Yeah. Um, so she made me sign this form and she paid off all the retail debt, which was um, I think four credit cards at that point in time, um, which was a good chunk of money. And instead of having to pay each one of them, you know, let's say $200, so we're looking at 800 bucks off those four, those four cards, she paid them off, and then I had to pay her back $200 a month. So that put money back into our pocket because she lowered, you know, my quote-unquote monthly payment, right. and grandma was interest-free, you know, yeah. bank of yeah. grandma is what she called herself. But I had to stick to that plan, and that was, I, she called me every month, she's like, you didn't pay on time. Oh, uh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here you go, grandma. You know, and she was on me about that. Forced accountability. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Looking back on it, it's the best thing she ever did for me. Interesting. And so I, I understand then your finances started to improve up to the point where you were able to buy your first mm -hmm. home using a VA loan. Um, now I understand VA loans don't have a down payment, but I assume mm -hmm. for you to put yourself in that position, your debt load was low enough and I guess your credit score was high enough or, or how, how loose was the credit standards at that point? Um, this was in 2009. So mm -hmm. right after the, the housing market, you know, collapse um, or at the cusp of it, I guess you could say. Yeah. So things were pretty willy nilly loose at the time. Um, it was, Hey, you have an income of this much money okay, cool. You want a VA loan? You don't want to put a down payment down? Awesome. It's fine. You know? So it really it wasn't was, an indication that your finances were, were, were not ready at all. for that. Sadly, just, yeah. sadly no. And, yeah. and I, I prided myself on that at the time. I was like, man, we're doing okay. You know, we got a house. We could buy a house. This is great. Um, and so it was kind of a, um, you know, a, 
mis misguided vision of what actually was happening all behind the scenes. Cause I was like, well, if they, they're going to give us money for a house, why not? Yeah. Um, Credit card companies yeah. giving you money, mortgage lenders exactly. giving you money, you know, it sounds exactly. Cool. Everybody's giving me money and just wanting me to pay it back. Oh, that's the part they, they get you. That part. <laughs> so you had your second yeah. kid and I understand mm -hmm. you had some medical issues. So then that, that affected you, you, you couldn't continue to work at least early on. Right. Right. Yeah. When we moved from Texas, uh, we moved to Virginia and that's where we bought our house. And I had started working again, um, even though I was pregnant and no big deal, whatever, started working again. That felt good to be able to financially contribute, you know, to the household. Um, he was in preschool. So the, those, my, my first son was in preschool. So those costs had come down instead of a, you know, more expensive infant babysitter that you usually have to get. So that was nice. A little bit of, you know, ease up on the bills there. And my second son was born <clears throat> with a lot of medical issues. Um, and I tried to keep working, but I found that I was out of the office more than I was in the office. Mm. And that just wasn't doing any good for my office team, nor was it doing any good for me having to eat into my PTO and unpaid leave time to be in the hospital with my son. So I really wasn't benefiting anybody. Um, I was hurting you know, myself and my company at the same time. So I left. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that was a decision that we both made. My husband and I had made that together. You know, hey, we're losing more money than we're making at that point in time. So you might as well just be a stay-at-home mom, take care of him. Um, it eliminated the after-school care needed for my older son. Um, you know, we didn't have to pay for the after-hours babysitter. So that was kind of nice. So I got to be a stay-at-home mom. Great. Now we're on one income. <laughs> right. And we have, you know, a mortgage now and we still have all of this debt looming over us and we have my grandmother's loan over us and we have a car and, you know, the normal life bills. Um, and so we had started exploring the possibility of a debt management program or some sort of debt consolidation in that consideration. At the time, because of all the housing stuff that had happened in 2008, 2009, there was a, a bad vibe of the idea of debt management programs. Mm -hmm. So I had put it on myself to really research and find a good, credible one that wasn't just out there to take my money. So my husband was leery. I was more for it out of desperation, I think. Um, but I kind of convinced him that this is probably the path we need to take. Um, however, however, the uh, we became happen. no longer a we, unfortunately. The we became I. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So during this whole time, and again, finances were always a fight. And remember, I told you I had hidden things from him in Georgia, um, yeah. that my, how many purses I was buying and the money just kept on the cycle. So <clears throat> he learned about that. You know, money was always a tension and always a discussion and always a fight in our end. So while we're going through this debt management uh, research and pulling up all this debt, I had to be completely honest that there was more than he knew about. Yeah. And that became a huge catalyst for a fight and then, it ended up with a, we became I and yeah. he wanted a divorce. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> the main, main reason being um, financial instability. And he's just like, I can't, I can't live like this. And, yeah. and quite honestly, I couldn't blame him either. You yeah. know, I couldn't yeah. blame him for that. Um, we never had a chance to roll into the program yet before that happened. So that kind of got put on a back burner. Now I'm looking at marriage counseling and, you know, what can I do with this? And, and how am I going to, where am I going to live with my two kids? And how are we going to separate our life? Um, through the process of that, <clears throat> the foreshadowing you spoke of is all the credit cards were in my name. Yes. So the, uh, <laughs> his lawyer was able to argue that it could not be proven that all of the debt on those cards were marital debt. 
So, because they were in my name. So I was uh, cursed, I guess you could say, <laughs> with yeah. uh, being responsible for all of that debt. And he had, he had the car and the mortgage responsibility because that was family related, but I had all of the credit card debt. So here I am without a job, freshly divorced, two mm -hmm. kids, and about $26,000 in debt. And here we are. And so it was, it was at this <laughs> moment that, you know, a counselor at a place like Green Path would be, would be meeting. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that we would face every day where yep. um, you got to this point, but you, you still had the courage to do something about it. So you reached out to yep. a, a nonprofit organization. You looked at a debt management plan. Where, at the time that you, you did um, enroll in one, had you mm -hmm. started to work yet at that point or? Um, I had just landed a job because again, I had put all my research on the back burner while I was trying to focus on the divorce court proceedings and all that stuff. And I quickly realized along with my lawyer, I needed a job. Yeah. Um, so it actually was a catalyst for a whole career change. So I had just landed in a job, um, was trying to get my feet back up underneath me. And yet all this debt was still knocking at my door. And at this point I hadn't paid minimums. I can't even tell you in months. Um, maybe one or two here or there, but mm. I had racked up, you know, reported late, reported late, reported late, late fee, late fee, late fee, late fee. So I realized I was just in a hole that there was no getting out of. So I picked back up all my research and, and found a company that I, you know, called them and I felt good and I moved forward with them and they got me into a program with a monthly payment that instead of about a thousand dollars of minimum fees that literally weren't eating the debt at all, um, into a program that was more about $600 a month split across two paychecks to make yeah. it very feasible for me. Yeah. Um, and that those were negotiated with, you know, low interest or no interest rates. So that was touching the actual debt. My $600 a month was, you know, touching the debt. Going towards the principal. And, and it gave you exactly. structure, certainly having the one payment. And it sounds Absolutely. like it, it gave you a lot more peace of mind during this difficult time. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the ability to sleep and not sit there and have numbers running through my head and run and wondering, okay, I've got $22 of available credit on this one card. Can I get groceries and gas for the week for me and my kids? Yeah. Like that was what was keeping me up at night. Totally. And yeah. And so the, the sheer relief, almost crying excitement of somebody is going to help me. Somebody's going to take this off of my hands. And I get emotional thinking about it because it felt so good. And, and they didn't judge yeah. and they didn't say, you know, well, shame on you for getting here. It was okay. So you're here. Let's do what we can to fix it. Yeah. And, and you still um, did this yourself, but you did this yeah. your, yourself with a helping hand along. Correct. The way. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. So it was, um, so I apologize for getting emotional, but it, it, it it's really an emotional, was, it's it was an a huge point thing. in my life. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done had I not, made that step. Had I not made that choice to pick up the phone and call them, I don't know where I would have been. You still had a long yeah. road ahead, right? It's just the oh, absolutely. And as it turned out, you found a job, it was paying <laughs> well, and then was it almost immediately it got downsized, if I understand? Within about nine months. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so I landed a pay job. Cut, right? you know, oh yeah, pay cut. And then my first literally my first thought was I can't make those three hundred dollar a month, you know, the $600 a month that I had agreed to that contract. Yeah. And I was like, that's the only thing that's keeping me alive right now. That is the one thing that I have to make sure does not fall through. And so I called the counselor and I think I was in tears. I'm pretty sure I was. And I was like, 
I just lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because keep in mind, I obviously don't have savings built up because I haven't had, you know, any sort of surplus to build up savings. So I have nothing to live off of, um, you know, once this job is gone. So I I was asking what my options were. Could we reevaluate? And we took about a week and they, you know, re-looked at everything. And I had been making payments, you know, for, for those eight months or whatever. Um, and they kind of restructured things for me and um, were able to come up with another plan, um, a little bit lower payment that was more feasible because in the meantime, I did land a new job yeah. with about a $10,000 pay cut. <laughs> yeah, but it was time, like the, these plans do have flexibility. Exactly. In some cases, the exactly. key is that you were proactive in reaching out to them the second you you had that obstacle. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because the credit card companies have no flexibility. They want their money when they want their money. And I had, you know, gotten into this program and I had agreed, you know, in my mind it was a contract. They want their money when we agreed to and I signed to this. Right. So I was scared making that second phone call going, I can't I, my situation has changed. I can't do this. And to see that they were just like, oh, okay, well let's see what we can do. Let's see what yeah. works for you. Because to them, what was more important was making sure that I could still live, if you will. Um, you know, can, could I have gotten them that $600? Sure. But that meant I wouldn't have had money for my electric bill and my it's groceries and my gas. We don't want to fix exactly. one problem and cause another. And, and what, exactly. you, what we'll find then, in those situations is, 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 you know, different creditors react differently. But enough of mm-hmm. them, I'm sure, were able to rework the plan uh, along with the help of the mm-hmm. credit counseling agency to bring it down. Exactly. And so now we're going to kind of gloss over this next part, but this is probably because, all right, so you reworked the plan and then you finished the plan. In 2017, I understand you reached a significant milestone. Yep, I did. I paid off my, I remember making that last payment. It was so amazing. Um, You know, so I started it in 2012 and in 2017, I paid it off. So five years, all the debt that I had accumulated over all those years and all those bad decisions and all that snowball was just gone. And I made that last payment and it wasn't like a full amount of payment. It was like, you know, $67 and 23 cents, you know, whatever it was to finish out the plan. And I was just so happy hitting that send button on my, you know, online account. It was like the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, hindsight kicked in and I was like, man, I could have, should have, would have, you know, so many years ago, go back in time. What would you tell your 20 year old self? You know, don't do this. Um, And I was like, all of it led up to, pushing send on that last, you know, $67 or whatever it was. Yeah. It was yeah. the greatest feeling in the world. Yep. And so it's just this, 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 this sense of relief and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, that sounds like, all right, I guess that's the end. Everything's fine, but life's not that simple. Right. So nope. you still, I think you had another debt that you're, you're, you're still going to address. You have yep. um, savings. I'm sure that you're working on building up after yep. that. So that was almost like the beginning, the new beginning, I guess, of your right. Life. Right. It's, it's my new clean slate to kind of start what I should have started, you know, <laughs> in college or shortly after college. So I just had a, had a, you know, about a 10 year learning curve there. Sure, which is not uncommon at all. Some people have a 50-year learning curve. That's fine. Yeah. Never too early to start. And so in an interesting twist of fate, you found yourself (laughs) um, looking for your next uh, career move and you started investigating. And where do you stumble on but GreenPath Financial Wellness, our brand new instructional designer. So were you attracted to the idea of helping others that face challenges similar to yours? Exactly. Totally. Um, I I came across the job listing and I was like, oh, okay, I could do that job. And then I started researching what the company actually did and went to the website and and seeing them. And it brought back that exact phone call 
I said, again, getting teary eyed, but it brought back that phone call that I made in 2012. And that calm, helpful voice on the other end that was like, you know what, we're going to help you take care of this. We will help you. We are here to help you. Yeah. And I was like, man, if I could work for a company that's on that end of it, mm. yes, absolutely. That's where I want to be because I had been that person that mm. was scared to make the phone call and so overwhelmed and didn't know what to do. And, and to be part of a team that, that can help people out of that hole like I was in yeah. would feel really great. So yeah, I was, I was super excited to be able to join a team that, um, that has the person, you know, at the forefront. And again, wants them to be able to get out of that hole, but supportive and reasonable and you know, <laughs> sustainable, yeah. like you said. Um, but it was a very big draw to me to work for a company like that. And we're glad to have you. And we're, we're thankful <laughs> that you, you were willing to be brave enough to be our, our as we call our guinea pig for, for this <laughs> Not new a podcast idea that we're trying. So thank you for your time, Katie. Thank you so much. So there you have it, one person's story, a story that's still unfolding, of course. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alexandra and Brad. Uh, I'll start with you, Alex. What was your initial reaction to hearing her story? So when, I was very impressed when Katie was talking um, about how how lonely she was feeling um, when when her husband was away and she she had her first child um, and how just that those other sensations, things that had nothing to do with money um, were yet causing to go away. So it, it just really shows that it's not just about, it's not always just about having a budget and like having a plan, um, but sometimes it's life that just gets in the way and how we feel about our situation um and then money comes later how about you brad uh what were your thoughts when you listened to her story yeah yeah i actually picked up on some similar themes as well too like the emotion that she had um at that moment of like when she felt the the sense of relief um, that she was going from feeling isolated with her own debts to now having someone else that would be along on that journey with her um, was like really powerful to me and like uh, there's a quote that she had where um, she had said actually to the counselor um, when her circumstances had changed and she'd even lost her job um, kind of fast forwarding uh, I can't do this and it really ended up getting reframed into let's see what you can do um, which I actually thought was great. Um, so throughout the podcast, I heard these different moments of feeling overwhelmed and isolated and, and, uh, and even like judging her own behaviors and, and the things that she had been doing. And then there seemed to be just like a shift in her voice the moment she started talking about like someone else being there with her. Um, and that was, that was certainly really impactful to me as I listened to her story. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely one thing that struck me was as she was recounting all the details, all the, the roller coaster that was her life in her 20s, 
um, a lot of it at the beginning felt like it was just sort of talking about the facts as they were. Um, there was a certain level of detachment, which I think is a healthy thing for sure, right? But there's a certain level of detachment. And then when she started talking, not only in the moment of first reaching out to the counselor, but especially later on when she was talking about discovering that she had an opportunity to find employment for a company that did the same thing that her financial counselor did. And it was like she was transported back in time to what is now seven years later, give or take, right? Um, but it was almost like she was reliving that moment. And, and for that, that, that was really something that was really implanted in her psyche, it seemed. The thing that to me that is really um, brave of Katie is there was a lot of like feelings that she had around her journey associated with her life and with her death and her ability to like share those so openly. Um, I'm confident that there will be other people out there who will listen to her story and be able to relate to it in some way, either through her experience in using credit cards while in college or bridging income gaps and using credit cards or, or even like feeling um, a sense of shame around like choices that she was making. Um, and the thing that I thought that was really great in her sharing her story then was is her getting to that end point of like finding a place where she could get support uh, and, and doing a lot of the work on her own, but that support just seemed so vital for her to um, get to the place that she wanted to be. But those emotions were so uh, real and so human, and I think in many cases, uh, something that we can all relate to. So Alex, was there a particular moment that really resonated with you? Thinking about um, her separation and what she was then going through to uh, just have to find income and find a place to be with her kids and find a new job. Like I could just, I was, her being able to share um, her vulnerability and that pain that she was expressing, I could physically feel that pain too. Um, and it's, it's so similar to what so many of our clients are feeling when they call us that um, it just that she was able to find that relief um, by talking to a counselor and setting up that plan um, just gave me then relief and just listening to her and knowing um, all of the other clients that we we do get that are able to reach out to us in that moment um, and find that same relief it just it's it just feels really good to hear that and feel it um, by just listening to, to Katie's story. To hear, you know, I, I think there's sort of, if we think of the arc of her story, there's the sense, that the sort of the emotional relief, and then there's like the relief of her actual situation. And they're, they're kind of two different things in a sense, right? And so you could hear in her voice, as she had several moments, not just when she enrolled in the debt management plan, but you know, certainly when she first reached out to the counselor, when she thought she was gonna have to not be able to continue her plan when she got downsized and then subsequently was able to rework her plan. Um, you know, those moments of realizing that she has support in a non-judgmental way, that really was, was, was everything to her. 
And even though, as, as we talked about at the end of the episode, that her situation is, you know, it's not a Hollywood ending in the sense of she's, she's still working on, on one debt, she's still trying to build up her savings. Um, but emotionally, right, you know, that was, that was sort of the important hump for her to get over. And, and that's really something that I, I know as a, as a counselor for so many years at Green Path, and you guys can echo this, is our clients all have different stories, um, the circumstances in terms of the kind of debt they come in with, the kind of debt they may or may not leave with. You know, again, that's gonna vary, but sort of that feeling of just taking control of one situation, um, there's a lot in common that they all have. And what are you looking forward to in the coming months as this podcast develops? And excited to hear more people share their stories uh, going forward. I think, you know, many times uh, our stories are unique and they're also similar, right? And I think as we've been talking about this now, you know, the emotion and like the feelings that I would imagine people feel around death, uh, there might be a lot of similarities uh, uh, people listen to the stories, but like obviously everyone's story is going to be unique in their life journey and how they got there, what they did, you know, barriers that they maybe faced. And I think it'll be interesting to hear like how people navigated those um, uh, challenges in their life um, and were able to get to a place where um, they can feel more empowered and for more confidence um, in how they can handle their finances and just their life in general. Well, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, especially listeners. I hope this podcast gave you something to think about. We'd love to spread the word to others, so please write us a review. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, please email us at education at greenpath.com. Special thanks to Hero for creating and sharing the theme song that will be playing us out. We hope to see you next time.